Welcome to Prickly and Blooming, hosted by Jesse Browning and brought to you by LaJoy Society. At age 35, Jessie theoretically adored her life. She was a mama to four children and owned multiple businesses with her husband. But without an ability to cope or care for herself, an isolating darkness crept in. Through reckless self-care, therapy, and lots of candor, Jessie found her joy again. She has created LaJoy Society to embolden others to do the same. Each week, we will meet a woman who has an authentic story to share. Undoubtedly, Jessie will be sharing her big heart, unusual life, and countless theories with you along the way. Now, here's Jessie. Hi, everyone. It's Jessie again. And this week, um, I'm going to take the mic over again. Just me. <laughs> um, it's a episode... Um, that I'm going to focus on one topic, and this week is going to be um, being seen or being unseen, as it often is the case. Um, this episode will be episode five, so you've had the chance to meet um, a couple women that I know and hear their amazing stories, and I adore what we've heard so far. Uh, I love the stories about being drunk in the airport. Uh, I think that's a really common thing. Send me an email if that's happened to you as well. Did stewardesses tell you to get off the airplane and eat some Chick-fil-A? Did that happen to you? Let me know. Um, what else? I adore the word, which I thought maybe I had invented, which I have Googled and I have not invented frenema. Um, frenema, if you Google, which I'm going to Google right now, frenema is in the Urban Dictionary which, of course, there are no new ideas. But the Urban Dictionary definition is frenema, the act of going through your Facebook and cleansing yourself out of unwanted friends. I gave myself a frenema last night and flushed away 86 people from my Facebook. So funny. So that's like, a, I guess, the Urban Dictionary is a specific type of frenema, an online frenema. I guess Kelly and I were more talking about a real-life frenema. And I would spell it F-R-I-E. And EMA, and did I spell it like that on social media? Because that's how I originally spelled it. But Urban Dictionary spelled it F R E N E M A. I would put the I in there so you know it's a friend, enema. Um, so if you haven't listened, um, that's episode three, um, where I talk to Callie Wiley, and um, we talk about the time when she had to produce a friend of mine in her life. Anyway. Um, I'm so excited that y'all are listening and you all are reaching out and y'all are connecting with it and y'all are, uh, understanding why I started this project now. You know, I feel like knowing my story completely makes sense as to why I have begun to share. You know, I always knew that I would share my story once I started this LaJoy project. I knew that that was part of this journey for me undoubtedly is owning the bottom that I found myself in to be able to rise up from. So I'm so glad that y'all are listening and rate and review and all those modern things I need you guys to do. You guys, I'm y'all, I don't like saying you guys. Use guys. <laughs> you can tell I'm from Massachusetts when I say use guys. Um, I much prefer the term y'all. So y'all, all y'all. Oh, hey, my Yankee friends, all y'all means like every one of you, like 
there's y'all and then there's all y'all. And usually you're like, fuck all y'all. <laughs> Means like I'm not leaving anybody out. All y'all go on to your podcasting app and write and review because I need you to. <laughs> okay, thanks. Uh, what else? Okay, so social media accounts. So everything is at LaJoy Society, which, ready? It's the French spelling. L-A-J-O-I-E. Society. S-O-C-I-E-T-Y. LaJoy Society. Ding, ding. Um, and you might, you know, you might be able to find it if you search prickly and blooming. I don't know. But most of the names are under LaJoy Society. So there's that. So follow me on Instagram. Um, and there's a Facebook page. And I also have a website. Um, the website is LaJoy Society, L-A-J-O-I-E, Society, <laughs> dot com. And there's like podcast episode listing, um, the writings that I've already done, which I reference one a lot today in this episode about being seen. And there's a way to contact me. Um, what else is on there? That's about it for now. There'll be more coming. Um, before I get into the content of today about being seen, we have to talk about the failure to launch. So last week I had um, just social media promotions, not like a advertisement, but just like, hey, this is the post, the podcast is launched and blah, 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 and it's ready to go. And I had them set for like 6 a.m. or something. And in the Eastern Standard Time. And my husband woke up early and he wanted to listen to my episode with a clear brain and a clear heart and not be working while he listened. So he got up early to listen to it. And I woke up at three o'clock in the morning and be like, oh, today's the day. And, and then I got myself to go back to sleep and I woke up at a normal time around six or something. And I went out to the living room. My husband was awake and he had his headphones on and he was like, hey, your episode isn't there. Like, huh? <laughs> what do you mean? It should be there. He said, the second one is there and it's working, but the episode one is not working. It's not there. And I was like, what? Shit. Let me get a coffee. So I got a coffee. I sat down. I checked iTunes. I checked Stitcher. I touched, checked all the things and it was not working. <laughs> it was unavailable, I think is what the error code I saw on iTunes. And I sent out messages to um, my podcast company that's you know helped me launch all this and I was like um what happened what's going on <laughs> uh it's not there <laughs> what do I do you know I don't know what to do um so it took a little troubleshooting and uh I think I if you saw I posted a photo of myself just looking like oh lord this is not the day I thought I was going to have face photo and <clears throat> It happened. You know, I knew it would happen. I texted Callie, you know, because um, she's a fellow podcaster um, on the previous episode. And I said, I know this isn't the end of the world. I was like, but I had stuff rolled out today <laughs> to be like, I've been working on this project and now it's launched. And it was like, and <laughs> the wind came out of my sails. And I was like, okay. We can figure this out. It'll happen. I just really wanted to happen by the end of the day. Like I was like, I just, today's the day I said, so let's make this happen. So um, we had to delete the whole episode off of, you know, the host site and then reloaded it and then it was fine. But it, it takes troubleshooting to get through these things. So you got to try all these other fixes. It's like, you know, did you uh, check the, I don't know, like 
what is it? It's always just having to unplug something. It was the unplug it version of a podcast, right? It's just like delete it and upload it again. It's just like when your freaking DVD player won't work, you just unplug it and plug it back in. And you're like, I don't know what fucking happened, but now it works. That was it. So it worked by lunchtime. Um, and then, you know, about an hour and a half after it uh, finally hit all the playing apps is when I started to hear from y'all. And it was so nice. It was so nice to hear. Um, I got phone calls, I got text messages, I got Facebook messages, and it was so great to feel all your love come uh, brushing at me. After the morning of, <laughs> uh, it was highs and lows that day. It was highs and lows, everyone. <laughs> okay, let's see. Let's move on to the content at hand this week. So this is um, something that I wrote about previously. Um, it's on my website, like I said, L-A-J-O-I-E society.com. Um, and I titled it being unseen and with the un in parentheses, you know, being seen and being unseen and how they're so intertwined and, you know, what, what does that mean? You know, what, what does it mean to you? And so I asked on social media last week, I asked, I said, when do you feel the most seen? When do you feel the most unseen? Like, what does that mean to you? Because I know what it means to me and I know no, I'm more so I know what it feels like to me. You know, I think it's hard to define, but it's it's easy to feel. So um, first, I want to start by reading you some of the responses I got, which was so fun. Um, thank you all for sending me your reply. Can you hear an airplane going over right now? Do you hear that? I don't know if you can hear it. We live near an airport. I love it. Okay. <clears throat> so here's a reply I got on my social media ask for when do you feel unseen or when do you feel seen? Here we go. I feel most unseen at a party. Since I don't drink or do anything else, I never feel like I'm in the circle. I feel the most seen when I'm thanked for doing something by anyone, be it my husband, children, boss, or folks in the community. I think we can all relate to that for sure. Here's the next one. As an introvert, I feel we are frequently unheard and unseen. I also deal with anxiety. It makes me so it makes it so much more difficult to get my voice and ideas heard. Adding to the fact that as a mother and wife, women like myself lose ourselves behind our children and husband. Preach. I'll get into that more later. Okay. Next one. I feel seen when I'm thanked by my kids, husband, and employees for something that I do on the regular that isn't always noticed or appreciated. So already you can see that there's um, a, a theme, I'm seeing a theme of um, being acknowledged for our contributions. Okay, next one. As someone who has both felt invisible and actively tried to make myself invisible since childhood, this is a great question. Writing clearly and with empathy has been my truest expression of self, but of course still behind a veil. I'm so uncomfortable by being seen. My basic assumption is that, like a hobbit or specter, nobody ever notices. Ah, I want to get you, huh? I feel the most unseen at family functions. I've been to two weddings, and there's not one photo of me from either one. My husband was even a photographer at one of them, and he didn't even bother to take my picture. I swear I'm invisible. That one hit me. Um, taking photos uh, was is a... Um, recurring conversation between my husband and I. 
um, since I, I, I want to say since becoming a mom, um, I have lots of selfies of me and the kids, but for years, my husband, he's just not a picture taker. And, um, I had to ask, I had to ask again and I had to ask again. <laughs> and of course my asking wasn't done in the most, in the most effective way. Like I was probably making a joke about it at first. I, I remember making a joke about like, Hey, it would be nice if you could take some photos of me and the kids, you know, if you had a camera on you all the time, God, that'd be convenient. If you had like something like in your pocket that could take a photo at any given moment when we were out doing whatever, if you just, gosh, oh wait, you do have a phone in your pocket that has a camera. See, I remember presenting it, you know, in that sarcastic way one time. So I had to be a little more <laughs> mature in my request. Um, and my husband does it now, but this comment about um, no pictures, I think will resonate with other people as well. Um, it's a thing. It's a thing. The mom stays in the picture. Um, Google that. It's an old article about the mom staying in the picture, the, the actual picture, <laughs> the hard proof that you existed in the world with your children photo. Okay. I digress. All right, back to this is my last um, social media comment that uh, response that I got. I spent the first third of my life feeling a need to not be seen, not attract attention, go unnoticed. It's how I stayed safe from an abusive parent. The second third of my life, I got very loud. It was my way of hiding on the other side of the spectrum because I believed if anyone really knew me, they would hate me. The last third of my life, I rewrote my story and switched from victim to survivor. And in parentheses, long process. I still work at balancing me, and there are times I'm triggered and I want to hide or be loud, but most days I stand tall and smile knowing I don't need to be seen and I don't need to be invisible. I can just be me. A little clap. <laughs> I'm not sure if you'll hear that. This last one really... After I read it, I was like, oh, uh-huh, yeah, that's a similar process that I've gone through. And I'll talk about that in a little more, but later. But first, so on this topic of being seen, I I Googled and found this article that I now have to share with you because it goes so perfectly with just basically what that last, you know, quip from the um from a listener was. So I got this from tanyageisler.com. Um, so it's T-A-N-Y-A-G-E-I-S-L-E-R.com. She has a blog and the title of the blog is called Don't Confused Getting Noticed for Being Seen. So the title is already a clue that uh, it was such a great article for me to find when I was researching and what I was going to talk about today. I was like, oh, this is perfect. This is such a perfect branch of this being seen tree. So I'm going to read you a little bit. I'm not going to sit here and read you the whole article. <laughs> I'll read you a little bit. I mean, I could. I would sit here and read you the whole article. Don't doubt me. I would, but I won't. So here we go. Here's some, I pulled out some tidbits from Tanya Geisler. Getting noticed is a wonderful feeling. Rousing, actually. A wake-up call to our capacity and maybe even our impact. It's that, hey, what you're up to is attractive, alluring, enticing, and I want to come a little bit closer. 
It's the raised eyebrow, wink and nod of, you're on the right path, love. It's the first step. It's the foot in the door. It's important. And she goes on. It takes even more courage to allow yourself to be seen. Getting on someone's radar is not the same as getting into their heart. This is a place of deep pain for many. They receive the winks, the nods, the open doors of noticing and assume parity with being seen, but then quickly feel the sting from not being met, understood, nor held. And then they proceed to make up that they've done something wrong, fallen out of favor in some way. Nope, it's not that. It's that getting noticed is a twinkle in time, unlike being seen. That's for keeps. Pause. Are you are y'all feeling this or what? Right? Okay. <laughs> One more paragraph from Tanya. Lead with your lexicon. Call yourself forth with the specificity of what you want to be noticed for and then act from there. It'll make it easier for us to see you because you've started the process by seeing yourself. <laughs> How about them apples, huh? Like it was <laughs> that was a fun Google find. It's like holy moly. You're blowing my mind. And you have now added to my story of being seen. Like that defines the second chapter of my being seen journey. Um, so I'm going to get into that now. All right. We're going to have a sip first. Airplane. Uh, it must be a training day. <laughs> um, the airport that I live near is an Air Force uh, airport. It's Well, it's a commercial airport, but the Air Force base here in town uses it. So they like do training a lot. It's so fun. There's only a few commercial flights that go over a day, but most of the time it's these Air Force training jets and planes and I don't know, there's helicopters sometimes. Oh, there's a drone that goes over. Somebody I know their their husband, you know, flies the drone. Hi. <laughs> um, it's so fun. It's so fun. Okay. So now that I've shared with you what other people have identified as being seen, I want to talk about my story about being seen and unseen and noticed. Now we can have that to the story. So my own personal story, um, you know, like I said, is very much from that last um, three part, you know, the, the comment about the first third of my life and the second third and the last third. I have a very similar story um, where, I, you know, I went from being unseen to being noticed, now finally evolving to being seen. And of course, as I just said, that process takes place when you see yourself. And I think that that process has only started to evolve for me in the last 18 months or so, you know, where I would have thought it happened 20 years ago. No, the 20, what happened 20 years ago is I got noticed. And now I have a great way to talk about that from this article. So as a, my story of being unseen started as a child, uh, I was the younger of two daughters and our names are pretty rhymey. My sister's name is Jenny. I'm Jessica. So we were Jenny and Jesse. Actually, no, I was never Jesse as a kid. Pause. <laughs> I think I finally identified when I went from Jess to Jesse and it was college. And I think it was my friend Monica, who's from Texas, and she started calling me Jesse. I finally figured that out like two weeks ago. I was like, how did I ever go from Jess to Jesse? Because there are people like my friend from middle school, she doesn't call me Jesse. She calls me Jess. My family calls me Jess. Any, you know, both sides of my family. Um, but then Somewhere around college, before I got to Texas, I became Jesse. And I think it was my friend Monica started calling me Jesse. Okay. So as a child, we were Jen and Jess. We were like a package. We were a duo. We were the girls. We were we were this kind of unit. And it was hard for me to identify out of that duo. Um, we were, you know, the only kids around for a while. We were the first grandkids on 
both sides of the family. And so we were just kind of, you know, in that generation, our generation, um, we were both born in the late seventies was kind of the first that wasn't raised with the children should be seen and not heard expectation. So that was kind of being let go by the time we were born, but it was still there. You know, it was like, okay, the kids can kind of be seen and kind of be heard, but not really, you know, <laughs> so, whereas things are much different um, 40 years later now. Um, but so that kind of that set up this, you know, kind of unseen. I just was lost a lot um, as a child. And as a teenager, I dug deeper into that for sure. Um, I was truly lost. Um, and really unseen <laughs> when I, um, homeschooled myself, you know, I pulled myself out of high school and I had a, a small group of friends that also homeschooled, but I was in the truest sense of the word, not being seen anymore. I was not involved in a social, large social group. And I know that doesn't equate being seen, but I'm just talking about like what it was like and the isolation that I put myself in as, as a teenager. And then um, what would have been my last year of high school? I went to college. Um, I, I had to enroll back in high school to be able to go to college as part of the dual enrollment program in Massachusetts. So I showed up at graduation. Actually, me and my bestie from middle school show up. She was doing the same program at um, graduation. <laughs> and everyone said, where have you been? You know, I, I had been gone for two, two and a half years. Um so, I mean, there's, in the truest sense of the word, I was hiding, <laughs> you know, I was not participating. I was not seen. I was not there. I was not showing up. <laughs> I was showing up to college. I, I just moved on to college, I guess. Um, and so this is, and during the college time of my life is when I, I really learned how to hide. Um, that's when I really put out any sort of like spark and joy and lightness in my life. Like I just didn't, it was a lot of drudgery and a lot of, you know, doing things that I had to, and there was not joy. And that's typically a time that people have like light stories and they had fun times and maybe it was the salad days, but for me, it was not, it was just lonely and dark and college, you know? Anyway, I hid my enthusiasm during that time. I hid my intelligence. I like ended up not really showing up in a way that was true to myself, uh, you know, the end of college, maybe I started out in the beginning, you know, and then, but by the end, like, I don't even, I can't even tell you what classes I took, you know, I just wasn't there. Like I was just truly lost. <laughs> um, and I, I even during this time took on an identity that further complicated my life of being unseen. And that's a whole nother episode altogether. Um, and I'll get to that, <laughs> but I was really hiding. I was I was inauthentic and it was not good. Uh, this period of darkness, <laughs> my dark ages, my personal dark ages ended around the time I was 22 and living in Austin. And I had that amazing young woman kind of awakening around 22 or 23. And I think other people will have done this, right? Where you break up with someone and and you're like, God, I've been playing house for the past four years and I need some deep girlfriend time and I need to brunch and I need to adventure and I need to be single. Did that happen to you? Did it? Did you have that time where you like played house, I like to call it? 
for like maybe high school, college, and then you're like, oh, what the fuck am I doing? Email me. I want to hear your stories about how you um, house and kind of domesticize yourself when you were in your college years. And then you hit like 23 and you're like, what am I doing? So when I woke up from that kind of days of being unseen, um, I would now identify this as the period of being noticed, as that article so perfectly put, um, that it's a raised eyebrow, a wink of nod, you're on the right path, love. It's the first step in the door. It's important. You know, you're being noticed, but you're not being seen. I would um, identify this period now as being noticed, um, like that article so perfectly said, you know, it's a raised eyebrow, wink and nod of on, you're on the right path, love. It's the first step. It's the foot in the door. It's important. Um, and I also love what she, um, Tanya Geisler said, they receive the winks, the nods, the open doors of noticing and assume parity with being seen, but then quickly feel the sting from not being met, understood, nor held. Boom. That is exactly what this period of my life felt like. I was, you know, living in Austin. I was single. I was having a time. I was having a great time. It was great. Um, I was on a dead end career path. Um, but I was starting to live my life though. Um, and during this kind of wonderful time, I met my husband and, you know, things took a turn and started to focus and family and business and all of that. Um, and it was so wonderful. And another like, uh, layer as when we moved to a small town and I lived in this dichotomy of being visible and invisible, you know, which is also being seen and being unseen because we owned a business and I worked the counter at the business for five days a week. And it was a very, it was a social hub. It still is a social hub. And so I was truly visible to everyone in town. But then at the same time, I became a mom and by nature, moms are pretty unseen they're pretty invisible. And it, it, so it further complicated this, this concept for me. And because it's so easy to hide behind being a mother and direct your attention to the kids. And you can see it in these, in the women who are, you know, putting their kids first on everything. Like you can see it in physical appearance. You can see it in their health. You can see it in their mental health. I mean, I can see it in old photos of myself. I just sent in my passport to get renewed yesterday and I should have taken a photo um, of my passport photo 10 years ago and my passport photo I took this week. Um, it's so obvious. It's apparent. I mean, I look younger now than I did 10 years ago. Blows my mind. Because um, there there's a lot of value placed on giving everything to your children. And don't get me wrong, I believe in that. I mean, I give my kids a lot. I really do. I adore them. But in these years, it was it had its toll on me. I mean, I was, as you know, as you heard, if you listen to episode one, I was not in a good spot. <laughs> Giving everything to everyone left me empty. So I'd like to think, I like to change this this you know visibility of motherhood as like a tree metaphor. Okay, I came up with this tree metaphor last night. Um, so the mother, I feel like, is expected to be the roots underground, right? She's supporting everything of this tree, but it's invisible. It's happening behind the scenes. It's happening underground. You don't see it. And I don't want that to be motherhood anymore. I don't want it to be for me and I don't want it to be for you. I want you and your partner to be the trunk of that tree, okay? Together, the trunks, not underground, not invisible, the solid 
base of that tree and everything off there, your job, your kids, your passion, your hobbies, your every your travel, whatever, it's all these branches off your tree. And I referred to this last night as the LaJoy Project, everything that I've been doing, the blogging and this podcast is just another branch to our family tree right now. And that's what made me really think about what motherhood was like and, you know, being being the roots underneath no longer, you know, just standing as the trunk with my husband. So feel free to take my little tree metaphor and run with it. <laughs> so during during this period um, of my life, I, I went even further with seeing other people, not just like my children, but other people, you know, other moms, you know, I, there was, this was a time where I was running around and making sure that everyone else was seen, right? Does that make sense to you? Are you doing that? Are you running around seeing everyone? Are you? Kind of? Maybe? I was doing this during that time. And I, I wrote about this on the blog post and I'm going to explain it to you. So I consider it this time now, like I was at a police station and I was on the cop side of the one-way mirror, right? Trying to see myself. I'm looking through it and I see someone else in the interrogation room. I can see them, but they can't see me. Like I can't look through glass at someone else trying to see me. You've got to stand in a mirror and see yourself. Like there can't be anybody else involved in this interaction. (laughs) I can't be looking at you trying to see me. That's not how one-way glass works. Well, I guess that's how it works. Sorry. That's not, that's not how a mirror works. <laughs> you know, the process of stepping onto the other side and looking at me to see me, not looking at you to see me. And that goes for your kids. It goes for your friends. It goes for your family. It goes for your community. You're not going to see yourself looking at other by looking at other people. So what changed for me and how I started on this path of finally being seen, you know, at the age of maybe 38, I think it was, was my therapist pausing me on my 39th birthday. I had an appointment on my birthday. (laughs) And she asked me what I wasn't seeing about myself. And she said, when someone is running around so hard trying, oh, now you can hear that airplane, right? That's a different airplane that just went over. (laughs) Okay. She said, when someone is trying so hard to see everyone else, they're often not seeing something about themselves. Let that float around the room like a fart, right? <laughs> I immediately got mad. Don't you love those moments in therapy when you're like, shut the fuck up. Why am I paying you for this? <laughs> so after she asked me what I was ignoring about myself, I ruminated on it for about a day and then knew what I had to do. And I emailed her and we got extra sessions and I told her about that night. And I had to process the bottom that I found myself in. I, I had it had to be part of my story. Like I couldn't edit that out. I couldn't, you know, I I explained this in episode one, but like I couldn't, you know, Phoenix out of a fire <laughs> without acknowledging the fire. Like, oh no, it's all great. I've made all these changes in my life. Oh nothing happened. <laughs> That was inauthentic. That wasn't the real story. Now you know the real story. Warts and all. Thorns and all. I had to see the shitty stuff about myself because it happened. And it's part of my story. And I can't change that. And instead, I had to own it. And since owning it, since owning my full story, now things shifted. 
And that was the moment that I started like the the last, I mean, well, especially <laughs> last week, <laughs> however many weeks ago, the veil is up, you know, it's all here. And it's unfolded since that day when she asked me what I wasn't seeing. And, you know, it's unfolded in so many different ways, like in the concentric circles out from me, you know, and, and one of them was last year when my husband was turning 40 and I was turning 40 after him, but he was turning 40 and um, I have a photographer friend and she actually started a long time ago doing boudoir photographs and she hasn't done one in a while. She was doing wedding photography for the last few years and she'd always wanted to take pregnancy photos of me and I never did it. It never worked out. I never committed. I don't know. Not really good times those years. So I knew that that was what I needed to do for his birthday. And so we took these photos and they're amazing. Like they are some of my favorite photos of myself. I'm not sure what could be more my favorite. <laughs> these are my favorite. And it was out of my comfort zone completely. And I don't think I could have done it without a friend. You know, like she is perfect for these sorts of projects. You know, she's just a perfect soul to accompany me on this journey that um, that night that we took photos. And so when I got some photos back, I sent them to another couple friends. And one of them said to me, are you going to print these? And my immediate gut reaction was like, fuck no. <laughs> these are never seen the light of day off a phone, <laughs> you know? And she said, I always love it. And I think it's so powerful when I go into a family home and see photos like this, like in somebody's bedroom. And after she said that, I knew I did too. I was like, oh, yeah, I know you're right. I love seeing photos like this. Not so much, you know, in the living room, but in the private bedroom. <laughs> I'm not often in other people's bedrooms, by the way, <laughs> but you know what I mean. And these are powerful images and they're powerful photos. And these photos are when I finally saw myself on the outside reflecting the inside. So I printed the photos. <laughs> There's one behind me right now. I can turn around and see there's me without a bra on holding my boobies in my hand. And I love it. And it turned into this, it's such a packaged little experience of being seen. And this, and knowing, like I said earlier, that, you know, photos of me was something that I felt were lacking and I felt unseen. And so I went and took photos and not just any photos, really great, vulnerable, beautiful photos. I saw myself and there they are. Oh, it all goes along perfectly with the mental health journey of being seen. <laughs> and so now that I sit here today feeling that I'm in the zone of being seen, and that was a process that started from within, which, oh, by the way, reminds me so much of, you know, self-care, self-love, like all of those things, like you cannot take care of someone else effectively until you've taken care of yourself. You cannot love someone else effectively until you love yourself. It's all these, like you cannot be seen until you see yourself wholly, all of it, your thorns, your flowers, all of it, ladies. 
all of it. And I like I had been called, I feel like, this weird pull to this project for years. And it makes sense now as to why I hadn't executed until this time. Like it just didn't feel right until this time. And I think this concept, this right here, this being seen is what needed to happen before I could really embark on a project like I have. I would have hit walls without having gone to the process of seeing myself. And so like the timing of everything is impeccable. It's wonderful. It's perfect. And okay, nothing's perfect, but you get my drift. I now know that when, you know, putting a comment or, you know, communicating with someone, when I say, I see you, I'm no longer saying underneath that, you know, as the, the hidden message is, I'm no longer saying, do you see me? When I say, I see you. Does that make sense? I'm now saying, I see you truly. Like I see you because I see myself first. More claps. Thanks for coming to my TED talk. <laughs> so what do y'all think? What does being seen or being unseen or now this new concept of being noticed? Do you feel like you can identify times in your life when you were seen, unseen or noticed? Have you been on a similar journey? Did yours zigzag and go back and forth? And I imagine I could. I could go back to being noticed or doubt. I'll go back to being unseen. But what are your thoughts on it? Um, Send me an email. L-A-J-O-I-E Society. (laughs) See, a couple of you have told me that you love hearing me laugh, which is just what I needed to laugh more. Thanks, (laughs) y'all. So email me or send me a direct message. Like what? What does this mean to you? Um, what can it mean to you? What? How do you want to change it? Um, and I will do what my therapist did for me, for you. <clears throat> okay. What are you not seeing about yourself? Where's the work that needs to be done? You can do the hard things. You can do it. You can get in there and excavate something that's holding you back. Okay. So um, as I leave you today, um, if you know anybody who wants to be interviewed, reach out. Um, if that's including yourself, if you'd like to share your story, reach out, send me an email, send me emails about that. I don't want that to get lost in social media, um, DM boxes. So send me an email if you'd like to be interviewed for the show and share your story. Um, if you could, like I said earlier, share and subscribe and all those things. Um, I talked about it on Facebook that the 66 like percent of listeners find new podcast shows by word of mouth. It's really, it's like a weird thing to advertise for because it's such a word of mouth product and recommendations. So if you're listening and you like this and you love me, you have to be my, <laughs> my personal recommenders. So, and I know you're doing it but I just want to remind you. Um, And this is a really hard part of it for me. Oh my God, I hate self-promotion. That's a big one that I've had to push myself on. I will talk about that at some point. Um, So I love y'all. Now here's the song. And a couple people have reached out and told me how much they love the song. And so do I. And that's why it's at the end of every show. (laughs) Okay. Stay prickly. Keep blooming your flowers. Bye friends. Everything up to this point has led me here and there's nowhere I'd rather be. 
Played, and no one knows how. 